Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Oh, it's a Friday edition of Birds 365 with your guys, Mac and Mac, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, as the countdown continues now six days to the NFL draft. You know, we're talking all things Birds, a couple of football items around the National Football League. And believe it or not, I, John McMullen, I think this is the first time I've ever broached it. I think the same with you since the start of Bird 65 today, episode 15. Have we talked any college football only in the fact that college players are going to be picked in next week's draft? We haven't actually talked about college football, have we? We've talked a little bit about it. Obviously, yeah, mostly player related, but we've talked a little bit. I know our producer Xander hates when I put it out there that College football isn't as fun to me as it used to be uh, because I, I can already tell you it's going to be in the college football playoff. I got I, uh, I got a 75% chance to get two of the teams. So that, to me, is not a good thing. That, to me, is not a good development. Although right. you can argue people love greatness. People love dynasties as well. So you can argue both ways. And you do get those in college football. So this year's college football uh, final four playoff teams are going to be Alabama, Clemson, and who? You get the two, the two pretty much locked out of the way, right? Oklahoma. Oh, you're a Spencer Rattler guy. Okay. Uh, so you got three out of four. Yeah. Let's Notre see how Dame, good you are. Who's going to be Dame, fourth team? Notre Dame needs a new quarterback. So you can forget about them. Um, so you look to the, the obvious ones, the other L- uh, SEC powerhouse. So, you know, it could be LSU, could be Georgia. I'm not sure who has the better quarterback situation there, but, you know, pick whoever has the better quarterback situation, I haven't looked into it. It'll be LSU or Georgia. 
Come on, you gotta gotta go USC with Keydon Slovis. No, He's no. a name that Eagle fans are gonna no. have to get used to because no. part of this whole Eagle looking forward long view that Jeffrey Laurie talked about, if uh Jalen well, Hurts definitely not gonna be guy, top 10. You want to look at the guy, the guy they should be looking at. He's in North Carolina, Sam Howell. I'm hearing that. I, I saw North Carolina. Didn't they have two backs? That are both yeah. going to be chosen yeah. in the top three rounds. Yeah. Wasn't that the key to their offense this past year? That they had no, these no, great they... running backs, and now all of a sudden Sam Howell's going to be next year's. Uh, yeah, that's how it works. We talk about it all the time. Where was Zach Wilson this time last year? Where was Baker Mayfield a year before? Where was Kyler Murray? Somebody jumps up every year this year. You know, they also have uh, Dynamic Brown, a wide receiver who's a good player. They had a really explosive offense. They could run the ball. They could throw the ball. And, yeah, I mean, people in the NFL think Sam Howell is going to be number one. But it's way, way too early in that process. Right. So, if that's the case, uh, Clemson might not make the playoffs. If uh, North Carolina is the creme de la creme well, of the I, I, ACC. I, can't even, I don't know if you saw the kid when Trevor Lawrence got COVID. Oh, yeah. And I forget his name, and it's difficult. Oh, you can't even begin to pronounce his no. name. No. But he is, they're not going to miss a beat, man. I'm I'm not saying he's as good as Trevor Lawrence, but he's awful close. He's a five-star recruit. Um, he threw for 400 yards against one of the best defenses in the country uh, in Notre Dame. I mean, they're not going to miss a beat, Clemson. Agreed. Um, I, I'm. I need to see a hell of a lot more out of Sam Al and Keydon Slovis and Spencer Rattler before I say they're guys who could have fit into this top five quarterback class this year. Oh, I'm very willing and able to wait till 2023 when Mr. Ua Ungalele comes out from Clemson. There we right. go. That's a pro right there. Jody I just, McDonald. I just made it up. I, I know generally what his name sounds like, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't would, bet the uh, $42 they're paying yeah. us to do uh, Bird 65 that I got within three syllables of getting that one right. Uh, can I buy a vowel, Vanna? Can you give me an E? Can you he's give me an L? Be, I'll tell you what. He's going to be a hell of a player. He's going to be a top five pick. I'm going to go on record on that right now. He could be numero uno. He could follow yeah. in his uh, teammate's steps two years later and be the first overall draft pick. No, the reason why I brought up college football is they changed a couple of rules yesterday, one of which I want to get your uh, take on about overtime and different rules there. Uh, but we'll save that for a little later in the show. I do want to, of course, start with the birds. And I know you wrote your column uh, for phillyvoice.com today about Coach Sirianni. There's not only reaction to his, uh, let's say, exuberance during the press conference, uh, not yesterday, day before, um, but it's getting national attention as well. Not just here in Philadelphia, but NFL Network, ESPN, a lot of places are Chiming in on Nick Sirianni and the as, as it is right here on our show on all the Philadelphia media outlets, mixed reviews. Some you and I are defending it and say, "Hey, let's give this guy a shot." But give, give me a guy who's engaged and into it and pumped up and ready over a guy who's just, uh, well, we've got a job to do and giving you the usual coach speak and the like. Uh, we won't know if he can coach till he actually starts coaching. 
there's a lot of preparation state steps that will get us to that second Sunday in September when the season gets underway. I have no idea what kind of a head coach he's going to be, but just judging him and his personality, you're a fan, I'm a fan, not everybody else is. Here's my first question to you today. Does Nick Sirianni care? Do you think I hope not? I, I I mean I don't know the guy. So at this point I haven't developed that relationship yet. I I from from seeing his old players, Indianapolis, talk about him, I don't think he cares. I think he's smart enough to realize, look, it's a high profile situation. He's gonna take some hits and I think he can avoid um the rat poison, but we'll see. I mean that's kind of the trick, isn't it, Jody? I mean, because you are going to take a lot of water. You saw one of the greatest coaches of all time here, literally, and Andy Reid, who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, um, who's going into Canton, is, as I said, one of the greatest coaches of all time. He took a lot of hits here, Andy, uh, 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 Jody. And, you know, obviously, if you don't win the Super Bowl, it doesn't matter how many NFC championship games, doesn't matter all the other accolades, you're going to take hits, even if you're at that level. Now, what are the odds that Nick Sirianni is going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame coach? Uh, I'm, I'm not great. So he's going to take some hits along the way, just as Doug Peterson did. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. I, I you know, Jody. After the Super Bowl, what did you think? I'll turn it around to you. What did you think? I thought that was a dispensation card for a long time. Turned out to be, I don't know, 16 months maybe? (laughs) I I, I mean, it's difficult. It's a tough job. I've stated this year, I'm pretty sure on Birds 365, I know for a fact I've stated at WIP a hundred times uh, since uh, Doug Peterson was given his walking papers. My stance was pretty cut and dry with the Eagles this year as soon as the season ended. They lose that god-awful game to the Washington football team with the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld at the helm to finish up 4-11-1. Well, where do we go from here? The Eagles had, I thought Jeffrey Lloyd, when I say the Eagles, I mean the owner who had to make the decision, had two options, uh, A and B. And somehow he came out with C, which boggled my mind. (laughs) Either you keep both Howie Roseman and uh, Doug Peterson, like you said, special dispensation, won a Super Bowl. Yeah, 411 and one stinks. And it's embarrassing. And uh, you, you oftentimes say, we need to make changes when you have as bad a season as the Eagles did. And if that's the case, uh, okay, fine. You got to change it. If you're not, if you're going to say, hey, we just won a Super Bowl. It's not that long ago. I got to go to war with these guys. At least I put them on the carpet. Uh, This is the first time we haven't made the playoffs. I got to give them their uh, marching orders that this can't happen again. But you keep them both. Or you get out the big broom and you sweep it clean. And you say, we need to rebuild the Eagles from the bottom up. And you let both Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman go. I, I would have been okay with either one as long as I thought Jeff Lurie had thought about it long, hard, and had reasons to back his decision <clears throat> to either stay with both or fire both. And somehow he split the baby. And he decided to fire Doug Peterson, but Howie Roseman is still in tra- large and in charge, maybe as much as he's ever been. That didn't make any sense for me. So, yes, 
I didn't understand why Doug Peterson uh, was giving his giving his marching orders while the guy who put together the not good enough roster was allowed to keep his control of the football team. So you're right. Nick Sirianni sees that as the new head coach of the Eagles and says, damn, there isn't much wiggle room here, no. is there? And by the way, Jody, I think that's way down the road, the actual firing and the actual decision to keep Howie Roseman. I mean, to me, that's a different conversation. What I was trying to say is Doug Peterson started taking hits from the fan base about a year after winning the Super Bowl. And we already see it here. And you're in a unique position because you do local radio, you do national radio, to me, I look at it, I also do hits on national radio um, uh, stations. I, I, I do hits locally, so I see both sides as well. To me, nationally, Nick Sirianni's already a joke, and he, and he, and he hasn't coached a game. Uh, locally, you have a disconnect. Some people think he's a joke. Some people like you and I are, are more lenient, I think, which is the common sense approach. Because, I'll say it again, the guy hasn't coached a game, so I don't know how you can judge him as a coach. But from your perspective doing national shows, all I hear is what kind of uh, dumpster fire the Eagles can Nick Sirianni going to be? Because of energy? Because of passion? Because of high school rah-rah? I mean, a lot of bottom line, by the way, a lot of people in this league, Jody, think, you know, football is the only industry in the world where innovation trickles up. And they often talk about college to pro. It's high school to college to <laughs> pro. So maybe high school isn't bad when you're talking about innovation. And Nick Sirianni has mentioned his high school coaching days and the uh, coaches that he learned from all the way back down to that level. You're right. We'll see if it plays going forward to the NFL. The one guy who I've been thinking about, because you're right, uh, how is Nick Sirianni being perceived by the national media, certainly Eagle fans and the like? I remember a coach who was here, but he grew to prominence after he left here by the name of John Gruden. And some people took Gruden as, what is this guy eating kind of guy? Because of uh, the word I use when I describe Sirianni is, is more uh, exuberance than anything else. With Gruden, it was almost arrogance that he was so cocksure of himself that he knew football and understood football. And the intensity, which with he, which with he would talk to you or anybody else, if you got him on camera, he, there's a reason why they called him Chucky because yeah. he was the kind of guy who looked like he would kill you if you didn't understand what he was talking about or agree with him. Well, he did win a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. He, he elevated himself enough that uh, uh, although he, got, he, he won it with Tony Dungy's team, but yeah, he won a Super Bowl. Well, but Tony Dungy couldn't get him over the top, could he? Well, I always think it's ironic because the two coaches I look to in that are, are Gruden and Billick. Um, who both won Super Bowls. Look, you're right. It's hard to win Super Bowls. You you deserve credit uh, to win Super Bowls. Um, but when you when, – when Barry Switzer, probably the best example. Uh, and, and, you know, nobody gives Barry Switzer credit because of the way – and they shouldn't, to be honest. But uh, you get my point. And, and I think, by the way, Gruden and Billick are good coaches. But I will say they were so arrogant. And they were so cocksure of themselves to get to your point, Jody. 
like Gruden didn't like the fact that he won with a defense, one of the generation's best defense. And Brad Johnson was a game manager. You know, he wanted the explosive offense. He could have won another one. Brad Johnson was so smart and 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 had such a high uh, football IQ, would have kept you away from mistakes. And same thing with Brian Billick. Wins, offensive guy, wins with one of the great defenses of all time. You know, Trent Dilfer, he doesn't want any part of that. You know, I forget who he brought in. Uh, was it uh, – I forget who we brought in, but he threw for like 4,000 yards the next year, but they were average. You know, the ego sometimes gets in the way. That's a fair point to say. And I like Gruden. I've always liked Gruden. And even though he hasn't uh, even begun to compete for another Super Bowl appearance since he uh, rejoined the now Vegas Raiders, he did in the meantime – get the most comfortable sports gig on the entire planet, the analyst uh, chair for Monday Night Football. So uh, from the time (laughs) he was the offensive coordinator here in Philadelphia, I'd say John Gruden had a pretty good run. Oh, he had a great run. And by the way, when he was in the booth, Chody, and there was ever a coaching opening, what's the first name you hear? Oh, you got to get John Gruden. Gruden. You got to get John Gruden. He loved that. He absolutely loved by the way, the quarterback, real quick, Elvis Gerbach. I just remember. Oh yeah, the ex Threw for like four thousand yards. Was had a big statistical year. You know, they couldn't handle as an offensive genius. Couldn't handle winning with defense. Never understood it from either guy. Well, we just want to see Nick Sirianni win. Don't care if it's with offense or defense. And uh, yeah, tip of the hat to John Gruden. Uh, all those years that he was the number one candidate for all of those oh, yeah. jobs. He waited just long enough to parlay it into the biggest salary for an NFL head coach going uh, decades forward into the future. He played his cards just right. Uh, now, oh, I'm, not, I'm not saying Nick Sirianni is the next John Gruden. He may be, or he might not be. We don't know. He hasn't coached a game yet. But again, I, I'm so surprised that people have taken such a strong stance as much against you and I are pretty strong for about a guy when he hadn't coached a game yet. All he's done uh, is sit Jody, in front of a, uh, a microphone and a camera. It's not even a camera. It's I don't a even, computer I, lens. I don't think I'm I'm a strong supporter. I just, you know, keep the door open. I'm not going to close the door on a guy because he hits a microphone and gets excited in a press conference or, or talks about rock, paper, scissors. I'm not going to close the door and say, this guy can't be a good head coach. I remember year one of Doug Peterson, um, you know, where people were complaining that he didn't understand the headset situation and he was doomed to failure because he didn't know more than two people could communicate in the headset. It was the most absurd narrative I've ever heard, but you had it. And Look, people don't learn from their mistakes. They 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 judge people very, very quickly. Um, and to me, it's just common sense. It's not even support. I have no idea if this guy can coach, but that works two ways. That works two ways. And we talk about coaches and all the time, John Gruden. I'll give a shout out to Andrew Brand, who's going to be on the show hour two with us today. He ta- He always talks about business Hall of Famers. John Gruden isn't going to Canton, but he's a business Hall of Famer. And, Chase, you know, Chase Daniels, the guy Andrew always used, one of the classic business Hall of Famers. 
John Gruden got himself in a position where I said for a decade, even here in Philadelphia, you would hear, oh, can we get John Gruden? Can we get John Gruden? And meanwhile, you probably should have been looking for other people everywhere, not just John Gruden. And uh, Gruden, oh, by the way, while he was waiting on that off-the-charts Raider gig that he eventually got, oh, he got paid buku bucks the oh, whole yeah. time. He was the Monday night analyst. So, yes, uh, Football Hall of Famer, when it comes to coin, John Gruden is a uh, uh, first ballot inductee. We will agree yeah. on that. Uh, John Gruden came and went here in Philadelphia. He surely didn't achieve true Philadelphian status. Will Nick Sirianni don't know yet. And one of the things about not knowing that's bothering me so greatly this week is you and I are sitting here. All our guests are coming on with us. We got six days to go and we're trying to project players who will be selected to fit the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, we don't even know what the Philadelphia Eagles are now because all we can do is look at what the coaches who are now on the Eagles staff who have come in from other venues, how they fit in how they used to do what they did in other places, how will they make that work here in Philadelphia? Until we see it with our own eyes, we can do some educated guessing, but we don't really know. And that's what makes trying to figure out what the Eagles are going to do in its upcoming draft, as uh, difficult as it is. I would say that Howie Roseman is a Philadelphian, for good, for bad, for indifferent. He's been here long enough that he's a Philly guy. Well, our first guest today is a, major Philly guy. Nobody dislikes our uh, first guest, uh, Vince Papali, uh, the former Philadelphia Eagle who made it as a walk-on for the birds. It's kind of the dream that every Philadelphia Eagle fan has that, hey, if Vince Papali did it, why couldn't I do it? If you're anywhere between the ages of, say, oh, I don't know, uh, 15 and 25, Vince was older than that. When he finally got the call. 30. The Oldest before. NFL rookie in history. Non-kicker. Obviously, there were some kickers. But as far as being a position player, Vince is still the oldest rookie in NFL history. That's pretty amazing. It is. Well, amazing enough that they made a movie out of it. And yeah. if I've seen Invincible once, I've seen it 22 times. Uh, and I've, I've had Vince on since, but I may ask him some of these same questions that I asked him shortly after the movie came out years ago about Marky Mark Wahlberg uh, and uh, that that time in Philadelphia Eagle history. Well, Vince was an Eagle, once and for all will be an Eagle, so we'll get his thoughts about the Eagles and the <laughs> upcoming draft. The new head coach, he worked under a coach that if you saw the movie, if you were a Philadelphia Eagle fan at the time, the, the former Eagle coach, uh, Dick Vermeil, was a pretty emotional guy. He wore yes. his, his emotions on the sleeve. And he, kind of like John Gruden, took a broadcast career, used it to his advantage, came back and actually got one of those Super Bowl trophies for it. So we'll probably talk a little Dick Vermeil slash Nick Sirianni with uh, Vince Papali, who's scheduled to join us next. He is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your uh, Birds 365 guys. Uh, we've got lots of Eagles draft stuff to talk about. Uh, John mentioned uh, we'll get Andrew Brandt, former Eagle executive, now host of the Business Sports Podcast, uh, up a little bit later. But coming up next, an Eagle for life. In Mr. Invincible himself, Vince Papali, scheduled to join us here on Birds 365. 
If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. The, the, the middle. The middle. Did you hear that sound? Yeah, that that iron shot. If you want to talk about a solid golf shot, that's what it sounds like. There are very few sounds of purity. That's as pure as it gets. I've never heard it before. Yeah. (laughs) Look, you and me both, brother. Never heard it before. Never. (laughs) You and me both at that point. Jeez. The Middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Friday edition, close out the week edition of Birds 365 with your Mac and Mac guys. That would be John McMullen and me, Jody McDonald, uh, waiting on Vince Papali. Uh, Vince was scheduled to join us at this time. We haven't been able to hook up with him just yet. Uh, we surely hope that that is the case and we'll get him up here in a couple of minutes. Uh, but in the meantime, I still have a couple of things. I've got to run by my partner, uh, John McMullen, who wrote his article for Philly Voice today about Coach Nick Sirianni. I kind of uh, lean toward this uh, first segment, John, about the fact that we all think we know what the Eagles are going to look like next year because uh, they're the Eagles, number one. You believe that uh, in the upcoming draft, the Eagle tradition in history will uh, bring its rate to the top and uh, they'll do what they usually do positionally in the draft. And we've watched the Eagles the last couple of years under Doug Peterson's tutelage go to a Super Bowl but then fall apart we gotta wipe the whole slate clean they changed this entire Eagle coaching staff save saves uh their offensive line coach um but it's a whole new ball game with a whole new team with a whole new set of rules that are gonna do things completely differently 
how do we know what they're going to do in the draft? How do you even wrap your mind around, well, here's what I think the Eagles want to do in 2021, so this kind of player is going to fit. How do you know what the Eagles want to do in 2021? You don't. I mean, we never know. I mean, let's be honest, Jody. Even all you can do is make an educated guess. You look at the history of, uh, of different teams and different organizations and how they do. But remember, you made a key point. You thought when Doug Peterson would go, Harry Roseman go, or would go, or they would both be back. Didn't work out that way. It it, it turned into uh, something where you have the same GM. You have the same scouting staff, and you do know their history, so you can make an educated guess from that standpoint. But we got Vince on the line, so excited to have him. Vince Papali, welcome to Burst 365. <laughs> Good morning. Let me uh, straighten out my camera. Hey, welcome, guys. What's up? Welcome. To, we're down in Jupiter, Florida right here, so welcome to my invincible studios. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, Jody, it's been a while, my brother. How's everything going? It has been. It's good to see you. It looks like you're enjoying the Florida life. And yeah. uh, how deep did you have to go in the drawer to come up with the Eagles t-shirt? <laughs> this is it, man, right here. I, you know, uh, this is the this is the invincible one. What do you think of this logo, right? So yeah. the, there's, a, there's a great story behind the Who's Nuts. This is the t-shirt that we used to get from Kenny Iman. On special teams, you know, after a game, they would give the game ball and sing the song about hoorah, hoorah. But for us, our special teamers, uh, they gave us T-shirts. And these things were these things were more valuable than you could possibly imagine. If you earned a Who's Nuts T-shirt, that was pretty special. So um, I actually sell these on my website, papali.com, but uh, I'm not here to sell it. I think we're a little crazy right now. That's all. So everybody's nuts after about uh, 16 months of this bullshit that we're going through right now. <laughs> uh, I hear you, Vince, but you mentioned special teams. I think that's interesting because your story is such a great one. They made it, obviously, into a Hollywood film, so it doesn't happen every day. But when you look forward in, in, in football and how it's evolved, could could your story even happen today? Because well, I don't they, think uh, I, I don't think so, John. You know, I, I don't I, I don't know under under the way the way things are structured right now. You know, I'm just watching my son Vinny, who who just walked out to go train down in Boynton Beach, and uh, he's heading out to uh, Indy for the developmental league. And uh, you know, him trying to get in and, and some of the things that uh, it's just changed so much. You know, with me back then and, and Vermeil in '76. First of all, I would never be able to survive under today's rules. I, I just wasn't that kind of a guy. The way they've taken away that the things that I used to do, blocking below the waist, uh, coming from the outside in as a wide receiver and doing a crackback block and, and some of the techniques that I used when I was playing special teams, we've been outlawed. And, and so I, I don't even think that I would have been given that shot. But as you know, and I, as a prelude, as I was listening to you guys as you were talking, you know, you were talking about general managers and, and Howie and this and that, you, you know, just the way the game is structured and the, the, the fact that. The well, having some Wi-Fi issues, I'm sure they'll get cleared up. Yeah. Bench down in South Florida. So um, Jupiter, I believe, Jody. So uh, great. Way. You know, his son, his son, Vinny, uh, was a star at the University of Delaware. I know Vinny tried out, was going to try out for the CFL. The pandemic affected that as well. Well, yeah, I think it was so, in Montreal, uh, Vince. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Good, John. Yeah, good research. He was signed with Montreal. Then what happened is 
is they, uh, the leg uh, the leg was frozen because they needed X amount of millions of dollars from the uh, from the government. They couldn't get a they couldn't get it. So they froze the uh, they froze the leg. So Vinny opted out of his contract and went he went out to uh, San Antonio with of all people the Jerry Glanville. You know, and he's always got a seat for Elvis. And uh, and he played on the jury for the last uh, for for three games, and then the the league uh, because of COVID, the league shut down. It's re-entered, and uh, he actually is getting his last workout right now, heading down to Boynton, and uh, he'll be heading out to Indy for a six-game season. Uh, it's going to be a split. They're going to have four teams in Houston, four team, four teams in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, and he's going to continue to play with Jerry Glanville. So they're going to throw him in the slot, and it's to develop mental league and maybe somebody will see him. And, uh, you know, the CFL, um, is another option, but the CFL now they've, they've, uh, uh, postponed their season until August 3rd. And that's a great opportunity for Vin because, uh, it, because he did opt out, there's a possibility he can get back into the CFL and then the XFL uh, is, is coming up. So we'll see. They'll give it another run, but, uh, he, I, I know he's NFL caliber and it's just getting that, opportunity and and um you know we had a couple tryouts and then he wound up with a sports hernia so we had a we had to take out that take care of that but he's running a four four i mean a, a legit four four so mm-hmm. and he's got hands like spider-man so and pretty smart he's a lot smarter than his old man that's for <laughs> <answer>. <laughs> uh, Vince, uh, i want to ask you about trying out you just talked about how your son is in that mode you were in it years ago with the philadelphia eagles we've been talking about it a lot this week leading up to the nfl draft that they didn't the teams didn't get a chance to try out and work out players as much as they wanted to they're doing a lot more Zoom interviewing than they are right. actually watching guys work out, no <clears> combine <throat> this year and the like. Yeah, you got to try out. You had to get in your car and you had to drive over to uh, the uh, vet and or wherever the Eagles were working out. Um, what's that like? Knowing that you're going to get to, quote unquote, try out for a professional football team prior to it. You had been out of the mix. You weren't the guy knocking on the door, coming out of college. It wasn't the normal route to get into the NFL. What were your nerves like when you found out that you were going to have a chance to show your wares to the team you grew up rooting for? Well, that's a great question, Jody. Uh, first of all, I, I didn't I didn't have nerves back then, <laughs> you know. So when I was playing, I was playing semi-pro football, and that's what sort of sort of led. I, I, I and I had I had a I had a stint with the World Football League, the Philadelphia Bell, and the legendary King Corcoran was our quarterback, and. Um, Anyway, with that tryout that Coach Ramil had had, uh, it, that was a whole different ball game, and it was right over. At, it was at Municipal Field, and it was right now where the uh, where the arena is. That actually, my daughter Gabriella works with the 76ers. She's down here. You, you're talking about you know remote and cyber and zooms. One of the things, and I'll get back to the uh, the tryout. One of the things that a zoom can't can't see, and one of the things that you can't you can't appreciate right now, like. You can't appreciate how beautiful it is around here, right? Right outside of, yeah. I'm actually in my garage, so I have my garage door open, and and I'm looking at something that's just it's idyllic. You can't appreciate right. that on a Zoom. If you have a guy coming off the line of scrimmage, whatever it might be, you just can't appreciate the explosion and and, and just a little subtleness of, of things that are going on that you can see when you're right there with that person, and that's one of the things that's lost. But uh, this is the way the NFL says it has to be done, and that's the way they're going to do it with us. We had uh, at Municipal Field, where the um, where, where the, uh, the, the 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 arena is right now. Uh, that was the old uh, J. 
JFK Stadium where they had stock car races. There were about three <laughs> or 400 guys there. And uh, actually at that one, what they did is I had the opportunity to go into the Eagles locker room and change. And, and they were going to put me in a jersey. And the jersey they gave me, of all things, was number 83. And it turned out that it was one of my favorite players. Tommy McDonald was my idol. But it was a, it was a number of a guy that passed just recently, Pete Pihos, who was a member of the, the 50 team and the 60 team. And, and, and I just loved it. But I got a chance, guys, to go into the locker room. And I was – now imagine, I'm a season ticket holder from Franklin Field to the vet uh, to, uh, to, to now being in that locker room. I, I just walked around – I was in awe. You know, there was Carmichael's locker. There's Bergie's locker. There's Roman Gabriel's locker. And I said, oh, my God, I can't even believe I'm there. That, I think, got me more excited than anything. And when I popped the 40 and, and I did the 4-5 and grass, uh, I figured, oh, okay, you know, hey, whatever. Things will uh, we'll move to the next the next drill. And the next drill, I said, oh, let's go on the 7-on-7. Seven seven. We went to 7-on-7. Seven seven. It was just like the, uh, the bar league touch leagues that I was playing in the rain with car lights up, you know, and just playing every Thursday night and, and Sunday morning. I would actually play in a Sunday morning in the bar league and then go on a train with my buddies, the guys that are featured in the movie, which is true. We would jump in a train and go to Franklin Field and watch the Eagles play. It was uh, And they were pretty – they were pretty – that was Joe Q. Hart's days. So Joe <laughs> must go, if you remember. But, you know, I, I – I, I really didn't think after it was all over that I that I get that opportunity, you know. But here's what really did happen in the movie, um, and you see this jersey right behind me here. That's a USA jersey that my wife Janet wore. She was not a Giants fan; she was on a USA gymnastics team and, and was with Kathy Rigby in that team. But Vermeil came up to me in the it, we were in the elevator. Jody and John, you guys have been at the vet. Remember the elevator yeah. be going up yeah. and down, you know. I'm in that yeah. elevator. And, uh, and Coach Ramil came up, came up and he said, hey, Vince, what's up? That was, that was a great time. That was a great 40 you just ran. He said, you know what you ran? I said, I, I know it's in a four or something. I don't know. And he said, you ran a four or five. He said, you were the top guy out there. Wow. I said, where'd you go to school? And I was 30 now, and I didn't play college football. I went to St. Joe's on a track scholarship. And uh, I, 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 I froze a little bit. I said, it's a temple. And I didn't realize <laughs> that time the temple didn't have a football team either. Uh, you, know, you know, this is a guy from the West Coast. I mean, what the hell does he know, right? So, so they said, "Well, how old are you?" And I was thirty, and I, well, I'm twenty-four. So, uh, <laughs> and and that was it. And then um, I, I was in, and I'm, you know, I'm showering now. You actually got a chance to shower, I, I for for whatever reason, and I'm showering, and and um, and Otho Davis, the ultimate prankster, uh, says, "Hey, you know, Coach Vermeil. I mean." Uh, the general manager wants to see in the executive offices, you know, how to get there. And I said, no. And he said, well, go in the elevator, go up to the fourth floor. And I go there and I walk past Coach Ramil's office and he goes, oh, Vinny, how you doing? That was a great workout. And I walk into Jimmy Murray's office and, and they offer me $21,000 to be a Philadelphia Eagle. My first question, I said, do I have to give up my season tickets? You should ask for a discount. Yeah, did you yeah. know? You probably yeah. could have paid a couple you know, bucks. The rest is history. Uh, in the movie, they had it. They had it so. And, and Mark Wahlberg, by the way, and God bless his mother. He just lost his mom. Yeah. And 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 Mark uh, just did a terrific job. But in the movie, they had me. Uh, uh, I had four days to get to training camp, and I was trying to get myself in shape in that four-day period, you know, for the training camp. Actually, I got an opportunity to train with Roman Gabriel, uh, Gus Hoffling. Remember, Jody, Gus Hoffling, where he trained – he trained he White was the, uh, Phillies, uh, the Phillies trainer, he was the right? Phillies yeah. Trainer. He was so, Carlton, yeah. Yeah, he, and, and with all the – so I got a chain, 
a chance to train with Gus Hoffling for four months and with Roman Gabriel. And Gabe used to throw, he would, he would have me running routes and I'd be catching with Gabe at the vet every day uh, for four months prior. Then in the afternoon, I, I would part-time bartend or I would substitute teach. And that's, that's where the movie picked it up. But, but they didn't have me training with Roman and all that. When I got to training camp, and, and that was right in, that was in uh, 76, and training camp was before the 4th of July. Dick brought in all the rookies and free agents and a couple of the quarterbacks, and he brought Gabe in. So against the rookies and free agents, now these kids are 20, 22, 23 years old, and I'm 30. And, uh, and, and Gabe's throwing to me. I, I was killing it, you know, I mean, and everything, just, just killing it. And then, then the vets came in, and it was a whole different story, and I backed off because I, I was in such awe that I was on the field with Billy Bradley, you know, and, and some of these guys that were, that were idols of mine. And Vermeil actually told me, he said, get your head out of your butt, you're gone. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm going to give you two weeks to get yourself back together. He said, I want to see the same Vince Papali I saw last week against those other guys. Don't you think you compete against them? Um, against the guys who are on the field now. I said, I know I can, Coach. I, he said, well, why don't you pick it up? He said, they were 2-11 and 11 or 2-12 and 12 last year, for crying out loud. He's, and I said, well, they're my idols. He said, they're your idols? You, you better pick a new you know, new set of idols. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and you know, they, uh, as, they say, as they say, and then, you know, the last cut came, and there I was. I was still standing. What well, they you did, mentioned, so, yeah, yeah, Vince, Vince. Uh, you uh, mentioned the Hollywood aspect. aspect. You know, your time at St. Joe's, they don't bring up, obviously, but uh, you were a heck of a track star at St. Joe's. When you look back, how, how much did that help you in your transition uh, to trying to make the NFL? Or was it the World League experience, the semi-pro experience? Did that give you the confidence? But you had a good foundation as an athlete. Yeah, John, I think so. You know, and I did play a little bit of football, one year of high school football anyway. And, I, and, and then those rough touch leagues and, this, and, and the world league, as I said, I, I think the track league, if anything, uh, it just t- taught me how to work hard, you know, and to be more of a teammate. Because I came in as a, a pole vaulter out of high school as a foot and a half off the 16 feet world record. And I never pole vaulted before. I pole vaulted across the creek in the, in the housing project in Glen Olden that I used to live in. I, I would just get stick a bamboo pole right in the middle of the, of the creek and then just go from one bank to the other. And uh, but that led to that. And, and then when I got in with um, with St. Joe's, uh, Coach Kevin Quinn uh, had me doing five events every meet. So I got uh, and then, then eventually what that did. Here's what that happened. Then I became the head coach at, at Interborough High School, my alma mater, where I was teaching hit track coach. But I was trying to qualify for the Olympic trials, actually, in the decathlon. And I think that experience, because I found out that I had the skills in other events that potentially I, I thought I could be an Olympian, um, but it didn't happen for whatever reason. And, uh, but, you know, it gave me that confidence. And, and actually I, I worked so hard at, in, in doing what I did. I, I was just in tremendous shape. I was in better shape than anybody that walked on the field in Vermeule's camp. And I think if anything, it was that work ethic that I was taught back then that I'm not sure a lot of guys want to adhere to right now. You know, I mean, Coach Vermeule has the greatest saying, says nobody ever drowned in sweat, you know, I mean, it, you know, and then, <laughs> and, and an opportunity is worth what you want to put into it, the preparation you want to put into it. So I figure, well, I got the chance of a lifetime. I'm going to work my butt off and nobody's going to work harder than me. And, and, um, you know, I think that's one of the reasons I made the team. I was, I was saying to Vinny, Vinny was working out the other day with uh, Teddy Bridgewater and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and another NFL quarterback. 
and and he, and he and he kept jumping in front of line with with five or six other NFL receivers, not to be mentioned. And and I said, I, I told him after the workout, uh, I, I said, uh, Vinny, I'm so proud of you for doing that. He said, Why is that? I said, Well, we had 13 wide receivers at training camp, and I used to jump in in line every time I'd run a rep. I would go and I'd jump second or third in line because the other guys were so gassed, and they, they would they would thank me. They would thank me for for giving them a rep break, not knowing that on film that night that when they kept looking. 83 kept popping up every third route. 83 was 83, 83. And, uh, you know, it's like, what do you do when, you, when you're running and you're jogging and you come to a red light and you're in the street? You're going to stop or are you going to continue to run? I, like, I, love, I love to watch guys. You see them running in circles. And that mm-hmm. was me. And, um, you know, back then it, it, it was just getting that opportunity and taking the reps and, and the work ethic that I got because I was a track guy. Vince, it's funny. You made me think of something with one of the points you were making about working out at the vet. Uh, We've got varying ages that watch our show here from guys who watch you from the day you stepped onto the vet turf as an Eagle for the first time. And some of our listeners who don't even know what Veterans Stadium was, that they've only been following the Eagles since they were in Lincoln Financial Field. I got here in the mid uh, vet run when the vet uh, was getting past its usable stage and eventually needed to be raised. I was there that night doing Eagle pregame show when they canceled an exhibition game because the turf was so bad. The Ravens said, we're not taking our players out onto that field. So there are lots of stories about the bet. But you were there in the early years. Was it as bad as it eventually? Was it always a bad turf to try and play on? Or did you like it? Or was it conducive to running as fast as you did? What was the vet like in its early stages with its turf? Well, for me, I was so excited, Jody, about being anywhere that had NFL tag to it that you would have thought those greens, I mean, that um, that field was like a green at the Masters at Augusta, as far as I was concerned. You know, it was it was sacred ground. And you, you speak of it. If, if, if I go in the back, I could, in, in 10 seconds, I could run out there and pick up a piece, a remnant of, of the vet. Uh, of of the turf itself, it, and it was it was grass. It was uh, it was just they called it astroturf because it was the first place it was used was yeah. the Astrodome in in uh, Houston. And then there was a there was a little layer of rubber about that much, maybe half inch, three inch, three quarters of an inch, and that was it. And then they would they would have zippers to zip it back together because it was one of those uh, multi stadiums that and what actually a guy that was the same one basically the same run was out there in Cincinnati St Louis Pittsburgh and uh, one other one other city had that same kind of a thing where you had your baseball and your football and the stands would roll in and out uh, and I also and when I also have out back uh, uh, two of the seats from the vet which is nice. pretty cool you know? so. The remembrance. I almost wore. I, I almost wore a shirt. It said, "Jody." I almost wore a shirt today that said "Veteran Stadium" on it. You know that I have. I'm very proud of when I'm around here, and there's so many Philadelphians in Jupiter. Everybody walks out. Hey, man, where'd you get that shirt? <laughs> so, but it was it was an experience, and uh, and and it was it, it was our field, and you definitely had the home field advantage uh, when you were at the vet. Yeah. About. What about that home field advantage, Vince? I mean, people talk about the vet and they talk about the intimidation part of it. I mean, a lot of it has to do with with when you guys were good versus when you when you weren't as good. But how difficult was it for an opponent to come into Veteran Stadium? Well, it, it'd be difficult uh, in, in many respects. You had to get used to the wind, especially for kickers, because of the the, the way they had that that one tunnel set up in right field. 
And uh, that was it. But, you know, when you're talking about giant, talk about intimidation, the only person who can allow you to get intimidated is yourself. Yeah. You know, so it's a matter of the mindset that you have when you walk out there on that field. You know, it's legendary about the Santa Claus thing and the snowballs. I mean, that was a guy that was 120 pounds and he was he was totally lit. <laughs> you know, and and, and, they, and the reason that people were throwing snowballs at him because he was harassing the cheerleaders at halftime. That, that's what that was all about. But, you know, things being thrown. I, I, I've had beers thrown at me. I've been at some of the best stadiums out there. And and uh, listen, it happens in every stadium where they throw stuff at you. They can't now because they take away anything that's, uh, that could hurt anyone. But the, the intimidation factor then was just it was the bowl. You know, and it was it was loud, and and when when and if we made a big play, it 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 got, it got pretty noisy. But I think more than anything, the home field advantage was just how bad the turf was, and that would get into their that would get into their mindset. It was slippery. It was it was hard, uh, abrasive. Uh, you know, you, you'd have you'd have second degree burns all the time in your elbows and knees, and um, it, that that was our field. You know, to me, it was my Taj Mahal. And when, when, they, when they used to call it a dump, it, it, it pained me because it was my dump, you know. And, and I remember dumps because I, I, my dad used to go through junkyards, for crying out loud, to get parts for his car. He'd get parts for the refrigerator. So I was I, – dumps were, dumps were a part of my life. So I'm sorry to have seen it going. And now we have all these beautiful complexes yeah. and billions of dollars. And, you know, take me back to the good old days every once in a while. That would be well, I want to take you back to the good old days and your relationship with your head coach when you were a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. Dick Vermeil was new, coming from college. Some people questioned whether he was going to be an NFL head coach or not and be able to succeed. We're going through the same thing now to a slightly different effect, but uh, there are some similarities with Nick Sirianni. Never coached before, young guy, a lot of exuberance, a lot of personality. There are parallels to be drawn between Sirianni and uh, Coach Romeo. Uh, you had a special relationship with the coach, the way that he handled this business, the way that he did things. For yourself and your teammates you got to experience in the locker room, did his motivational tactics work? Was upbeat and emotional and be, being able to show your emotions on your sleeve. Did that work in the National Football League back then? Do you think it can still work today in 2021? Well, it, it, it was it was interesting. You say, that's a great question, Jody. And there's so many different parts to it. And when Dick had first come in and there's that scene in the movie, you know, they're talking about the, you know, the college guy coming in from the West Coast and this and that, and all the exuberance that he had. And Dick had a whole bunch of different ideas. And and he was one of the first into uh, into working the numbers game, you know, the odds that, that are so huge in the game right now. And uh, and what Dick was always ultra enthusiastic. Uh, but what he did is he, he believed in really long practices. And, uh, you know, and when I'd go into the locker room and I'd hear guys that were bitching and moaning about how tough to practice, how long the practice was, that was music to my ears. And I would just keep my mouth shut and, and figure, okay, some of these guys are literally going to cut, cut themselves because of their attitude. Um, the, one thing I was really impressed with, with Coach Vermeil, aside from his energy, I mean, he was boundless energy. And, and we are still today uh, the very, very closest of friends. And right to my left here is a wine cooler that has about <laughs> two cases of Vermeil wine in it, for crying out loud. And um, his, his energy level and, and his knowledge – I would sit back there and watch him go in an offensive session and go through every play with every player without a note 
as to what he was supposed to do and what his adjustments were supposed to do based upon how the defense was going to be and what the adjustment had to be made at that particular time. So his knowledge and preparation, I don't think anybody could ever, ever compare to that, you know, and then there was that enthusiasm, which should have wore off um, when the season went on because his practices were pretty heavy. And then when he brought Sid Gilman in and a few other guys, and they just said, maybe you want to just listen a little bit more to this guy and to that guy and give some autonomy to your assistant coaches. And then, then things really started to gel and you could see the team, the energy level lift up and, and it was, and, and, you know, Dick, they, they, they're, they're always talking and he's legendary as a crier. You know, he'd shed a tear every once in a while. And, yeah. and uh, it, that's, it didn't, it didn't bother us. And, you know, we had no problem with that because they were all tears of joy and, and excitement. And I, and I'm that guy, I'm that emotional guy. And now we got, you know, Sirianni coming in, you know, and, a whole different ball game, though, because, you know, back then, Dick, when he was with Mr. Toast, uh, he demanded complete autonomy. This is the way it goes. I'm going to be the one that's running the show. And right now, as we know, it's, it's a little bit different setup the way it is. And it'll be interesting to see um, the, uh, the kind of freedom that Nick's going to have and, you know, how he's going to be able to run things. And, and uh, you know, I'm very disappointed. Uh, Doug Peterson, I go back to 1999 when he was a player for crying out loud. I mean, and he actually lives down here right around the corner from me now. And, um, and he's biting out, out his time. Uh, you know, I would obviously would have loved to have seen him there. I mean, he did bring us that trophy for crying out loud, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give Nick a shot and, uh, and I hope he, I hope he pulls this off, you know, because if he's me, he's, he, he's me. Cause already, uh, you know, from what I'm hearing and reading and stuff up there that, you know, always, you know, he blew his press conference or this or that Who cares, you know, can the guy coach, can the team relate to him? Will he be able to capture the locker room? Will he be able to make the adjustments? Will he be able to take what's given him and, and make that a viable team and make it a winning team? And, you know, time will tell um, and we'll see. And I just hope the veterans, like our veterans did, you know, when we had Bergie and, and Billy Bradley and, and Harold and Charlie Smith and whomever, I hope the players today will give this guy the opportunity to prove himself. And, and, and it's, going to be a, it's going to be pretty interesting to watch. Um, I'm pretty excited. Actually, I'm coming back up. I'm uh, coming back up next week uh, uh, to Philly for, for for a while, and I'm actually moving my I'm, I'm moving out of Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and and moving into uh, uh, Queen Village in Philadelphia. So I'm going to be a true and blue Philadelphian again, which I'm very excited about. So I'm going to. We're not back. excited. We're both South Jersey guys. So I'm <laughs> Stratford, Benny. Uh, yes. Jody is, is Marlton, so we're 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 right with you there in Cherry Hill. So we're sad oh, yeah. to see you go. Right there, I, you know, PJ Wellhands. That's, that's yeah, that's yes. my favorite. Yeah, yeah, I love it there. So, but it, what you, what you can get when you get there, it's older. You're going to hate it down here. I mean, you know, there's there's no rest. I actually walked into a restaurant the other day and. And uh, the guy said, what are you wearing a mask for? He said, we don't wear masks here. I said, oh, my God, Uncle Eddie's, you know. Yeah, you got to get used to it up here. But uh, of, so you'll appreciate this. A bunch of New Yorkers down in Jupiter running a place called Uncle Eddie's. You, you know, it was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you got a couple Met fans down there. Uh, you got a, yeah, yeah, we got a lot of legal fans down here. We got a place yeah. called the Northwest Eagles Bars and and, uh, you know, they still have that strong base. You know, we're, we're still all a little bit crazy, but uh, it, it, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Hey, Vince, you mentioned Doug because he's in South Florida. You right. know, his son, Josh, is is potentially going to be drafted uh, next week. So you guys got a lot of common uh, with, with uh, uh, Benny trying to make uh, his yeah. way into the NFL. I did, you know, want to 
last one for you. I know you got to run, but 1960, Doug Peterson gets this team to the Lombardi Trophy. We were just talking before you came on about a dispensation card, so to speak. Did you think he would have had a longer rope before the criticism started to turn on, on Doug a little bit? Yeah, you know, uh, where, wherever, um, uh, I would have, regardless of whether it's Doug or whomever uh, on, on Black Friday became one of the, uh, Black Monday in the NFL, they call it, I guess, it would have became a victim of the, of the Turk. <clears throat> um, I think with all that had to go out, go through this year, you know, with the, the COVID, I think that's an automatic mulligan as far as I'm concerned. You know, that, that yeah. anybody that had to deal with that. And, and then when you, you know, you look at the injuries and, and, and the other stuff, obviously there were some philosophical and uh, issues within the organization. And, and so they decided to make the change and that that's their right to do that. You know, that's the, you know, as the CEO, as, as the general manager, you know, of all these things and the president, that's, that's their right. They're the ones that are making a paycheck, but Hey, um, uh, yeah, I, I think that anybody last year, especially uh, with the quarterback that lost his confidence and was broken down and lost the locker room, I, I think maybe it would have been nice to see what he could have done with a full season without having to, especially imagine the preparation that, that you're going through right now. I, I can't imagine, like Vinny, I was just watching the other day, Vinny was, was doing a session with his offensive coordinator out for the team he's playing with. And, um, and just the difference of, of sitting in, in, in a classroom and going through that session, as opposed to sitting in front of a computer just by yourself, there's a whole different ball game. And the fact that you can't have OTAs, and aside from the the rhythm and all the other things that you would do on the field, it's the camaraderie that's developed with your teammates. That is so so very important. I think there are a lot of a lot of people forget that. You know, it's you know, who do you play for? You don't just play for yourself. You play for the guy next to you. You know, mm-hmm. and and who is this guy? Well, I don't know. I haven't met him yet. You know. I mean, uh, we haven't been together. We haven't gone out and had a few beers. You, you know, back then, uh, like let's say in training camp, back then uh, we would go to this place called the Campus Casino. We were a wider college, you know, and this place would have, it was probably about the size of this garage here, but we would have 45 guys in the Campus <laughs> Casino <laughs> after practice, everybody together and the team together. And, and it's those kinds of things and the camaraderie develop. Uh, as a team together in the locker room. And the, the fact that you can't do that now is, is, is I think, debilitating. So, a- uh, hey, listen, you know, anybody I, I think should have gotten a mulligan, but it is what it is. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens next year when there's mm-hmm. going to be another Black Monday. And But I, I can't tell all you Eagle fans out there, uh, Pete, uh, Doug's at peace and uh, and he's, he's very happy. And his, and his son, uh, Josh, he's, he's real excited about Josh and we'll see where he goes. And, man, I tell you what, the kid is a stud. He, he, he can... He can run. He's six four, six five, and he got he got great hands. Really smart, and you know, has his dad's instincts. Been coached by the best. So, um, hey, we'll see. You know, good to, and, good to hear Doug's doing well. Last thing, Vince, if someone wanted a What's Nuts T-shirt, how could they get their hands on them? Yeah. Where would well, they be getting those uh, T-shirts, my friend? Well, there's uh, you can go to vincepapawi.com and uh, and you could and it'll come right to me and and also. Um, I have this book out here. It's called The Last Laugh and uh, Vision of Victory. This is Denny Franks. Um, there was a hit I made against the uh, made against the Redskins, and they took a picture on the sideline, and, our, and we're, our heads are thrown back, and we're all excited. And uh, and that picture wound up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and it's called The Last Laugh. And The Last Laugh is what any one of us have been through 
when we were told we're going to be in broadcasting, we're going to do this, we're going to try out for the Eagles. That's what it's about. So that's the last step. VincePapaway.com. Anything. We got books. We got everything you can possibly imagine. But, man, it's really great to connect with you guys. And I'll be up in Jersey next week. Get a hold of me. Tell Krause to get a hold of me. We'll go over to uh, – We'll go up to we'll go to we'll go to, to go to uh, PJ's. We'll go to yeah. We're up, up in Marlton. You're up in Marlton, and and uh, you know we'll go to a, we'll go to Pete. We'll go to Pete Chiraki's up there, and you yeah. know we'll hang out. Hop, skip, and a jump. Vince, great to catch up. Good to see you. Tell Vince Jr. we send our regards. I Thanks will. for a couple of minutes with us here today. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John. And hey, Krause, I love you, brother. I miss you and MC in the soul. Nobody did it better than him. Thanks, that guys. Is, we'll see you later. That is the legendary Vince Papali here with us on Birds 365. One of a kind and a story like none other in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. we got an hour in the books, an hour left to play. Big part of that hour will be spent with former Eagles executive, now one of the forerunners in the sports business industry, Andrew Brandt's going to join us here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. The, 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 middle. the middle. Did you hear that sound? Yeah, that, that iron shot. If you want to talk about a solid golf shot, that's what it sounds like. There are very few sounds of purity. That's oh. as pure as it gets. Oh, I've never heard it before. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you and me both, brother. Never heard it before. Never. <laughs> you and me both at that point. Jeez. The Middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave. Take a nap. Go for a drive. Grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Number two coming your way on a Friday edition of Birds 365. Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald, hang them with you. Again, can't thank them enough. Vince Papali hopping on with us. Uh, when we put the show together, we were thinking about guests we wanted to get on in the early stages. Of it, and Vince was a name that certainly came up. And we wanted to have him on because he's Vince Papali. And if you get a chance to get Vince Papali on your show, you get Vince Papali on your show. And uh, Krause, we said hello to our boss, uh, the creator of this Jacob Media, uh, has a relationship with him. So that's how we were able to get Vince. But it was actually timely that we do so because I do believe what I asked Vince, John, about parallels between the coach who took the chance and made the legend of Vince Papali possible, Dick Vermeil, and the current day Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni, because... They were both questioned right out of the box. When Vermeil got the gig, he was a college coach stepping into the NFL ranks. Back then, there was no track record of that working. Most people no. thought it had no chance of happening. He was a young coach at the time, kind of like Nick Sirianni. He was a Californian, not a quote-unquote yeah. Philly guy, which is so funny because if uh, Vince Papali is in Philly, Dick Vermeil has become Philly. He is Philly through and through. But when he first got here, people questioned his California roots and his ability to come here. And he was a guy who wore his emotions on his sleeve. Sound familiar to you? Sounds a lot like Nick Sirianni to yeah. me. Yet, uh, again, Eagle fans can be tough. Eagle Nation, Eagle Media can be tough on a guy who isn't in the exact mode cut that people are used to. I'll draw a parallel between Dick Vermeil and Nick Sirianni. And most people now in 2020 hindsight will say the Dick Vermeil era here in Philadelphia was a tremendous one. If Nick Sirianni can pull off something like that, I think he'll do just fine. Well, yeah, number one, if he can do what Dick Vermeil was able to do. But even if you know, maybe for younger fans who kind of forget the generation of Dick Vermeil, if you remember the Rams generation when Trent Green got hurt and Dick cried, uh, and and ultimately, he had to go to Kurt Warner, which, oh, by the way, worked out pretty well for him. Uh, he thought his season was over and weeped 
Now, could you imagine if against the Los Angeles Rams, Carson Wentz goes down, Doug Peterson goes up to the podium and weeps? I don't think it would have went over well. So my point is you could do things different ways, but yeah, Dick Vermeil is as most emotional as you get. And he was a highly successful head coach in this league, not only here, but in other cities. So you can do things in different ways, Jody. I mean, I, I, I think that's proven. It has been. And Sirianni's going to do a little bit differently. And the thing that we're working to right now is how much differently than Doug Peterson. And I'm just talking X's and O's. I'm talking about putting a game plan in. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about how you're going to deploy your players going forward on both sides of the ball, both offensive and defensively. I think one similarity between Doug and Sirianni is that I think Sirianni's smart enough to know uh, this is his first chance at being even associated with the defensive side of the ball. He talked about it in the press gathering the other day yeah. about how he's really enjoying learning defensive aspects because he hasn't done that. He's always been an offensive guy. He's never looked at, through it through the defensive lens before, and he has to do that now as a head coach. That was the same thing with Doug. They had a defense coordinator in place when Doug was hired, and he just kind of said, all right, I'll, I'll let you guys run the defense the way you want. I'll work on the offense. I, I, I'm assuming it's going to be similar with Sirianni, or do yeah, you think he's enjoying himself so much on nah. the defensive side? That he admitted, because I was the one who asked that question, he admitted that defense, he's not going to get in Jonathan Gannon's way. By the way, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing. If you look at Sean McVay, and everybody wants Sean McVay, I mean, that's the guy in the NFL. That's the template. That's who everybody wants. You know, if you think about when he first became the head coach of the Rams, they gave him Wade Phillips. Man. You know, he didn't hire Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips was put there as a safety net, sort of like Jim Schwartz was put here. A guy who's been a head coach, a guy who can be a sounding board, a guy who can tell him uh, some of the pitfalls. But I thought it was interesting. Sean McVay would walk away from the sideline to talk to the offense as the defense was on the field. He didn't care. And nobody gave him, you know what, because, you know, A, they were pretty successful. He was lighting up the league offensively. Jody, most, I, I, not even most, other than Bill Belichick, other than, no, other than Bill Belichick. I'm going to stop there. I'm going <laughs> to stop there. There's offensive or defensive-minded coaches, and whatever they are, they don't delve into the other side of the football. A little bit Pete Carroll, maybe Mike Zimmer, maybe in a in a poor way. Um, not many, not many, and other than Bill Belichick, not a lot. You know, I'd put in that mix to uh, Mike Tomlin of the Steelers. Now he's not overly hands on on either side of the football. Nope, he's he's more of an emotionally coach. driven. Yeah. Let's rally the troops, get the guys together. But he does it for both sides. He does offense and defense. Yeah, but me. he's a defensive guy. He's a Tony Johnji. He's a cover two guy. He's a defensive guy. That's how he grew up. That's how he became a head coach. He was in uh, Minnesota. Uh, that was his last stop as a secondary coach. He's a defensive guy. Uh, so a little bit, you might put him in the Carroll or Zimmer category. But again, 
He's a CEO coach. You can have CEO coaches. In fact, I'd like CEO coaches because I think you should have. If something's going horribly wrong on the other side of the football, from from what your expertise is, you should be able as a head coach to step in and say, no, we got to change something. We got to do this a different way. That I agree with. But you also have to realize your expertise, your non-expertise and things like that. And by the way, I don't know if people noticed it. Tomlin just got a contract extension another three years, I think, on the back end to take him through 2026 or somewhere thereabouts. Man, do the Pittsburgh Steelers have stability in coaches. Chuck Noll was there for two decades. Uh, Cow was there for close to two decades. Well, what are we at? Let's do the math. 68, I think, Chuck Knowles uh, showed up. So, you know, 78, 88, 98, 2008, over 50 years, three coaches, all three of them, because Mike Tomlin's going in the Hall of Fame, all three of them won Super Bowls, and are going to be Hall of Famers. Cowers I, already in. Knowles already in. Tomlin will be next. Yeah, good. He's certainly on that path, and he's going to get a chance for seven more years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They just they don't fire coaches. So when you get your contract extension, sometimes you get a contract extension. Oh, by the way, Vince Pavali said Doug happy and doing well down there in South Florida. One of the reasons why was he's getting paid to not coach the Philadelphia Eagles. That's what the Eagles decided to do this offseason. Oh, the Steelers don't fire coaches. And they stick no. around for a long period of time. And, and by the way, extend- the Steelers are the gold standard, Jody. I mean, continuity is better than the opposite in the NFL. And they are proven it. They have, And all you have to do is look at Cleveland in the same division. How many coaches have they had just since 1999 and the reboot? I mean, it's unbelievable how many coaches they've had. It, it, if you have two paths and one of them's continuity and one isn't, go the continuity path. It surely has worked for the Steelers. I did have one over other overall NFL thing I wanted to get your take on. Um, I, I, the the GOAT, the best quarterback in the history of the National Football League and the defending Super Bowl champion, Tom Brady, came out with a pretty strong stance yesterday. The NFL decided that they're going to relax their policy on the uh, usage of numbers, that they've been pretty rigid about whatever position you play. You have to wear a number out yeah. of a specific group. Uh, the NFL, it's been around long enough that some teams have retired a goodly amount of numbers. So they're starting to get into a little bit of a crunch with numbers. So they thought that maybe opening up the numbers for players as per the position they play would give teams more flexibility and the like. Uh, to me, it's a blatant money grab. Uh, they want you to buy new jerseys for new players with their new numbers. Uh, that's what it is. It's, ooh, not me. only that, Jody, not only is it a money grab, which I agree, everything about uniforms is about merchandising. That's why the Washington football team waited. They said, we'll make some money on Washington football team merchandise, and then we'll come up with a new need new name and then we got we can double dip it's always about merchandising what the what the horrible part and we're going to have andrew brandt he's so good with the business stuff so we'll ask him this as well they're going to make players who want to change their numbers buy out the existing jersey uh, 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 inventory can you imagine so if you're a star player 
and you want to change your number this year, you will have to buy out the existing jersey uh, inventory of your old number to change your number. Now, you can wait a year. You won't have to do that. But, I mean, that for a league that makes more money than God, um, that is that is classless. I mean, if you don't want to change it, don't change it. If you want to change it, change it. I don't care. I'm one of those people that don't care about Kelly Green. I don't care who's got what number. doesn't matter to me. But if you're as a league going to do it, don't make star players uh, buy out their jersey inventory to change their numbers. You have enough money. Take the hit. Yeah. Oh, oh by the way, uh, that would not go very far with me. Uh, as you mentioned, Andrew Brand's going to join us coming up here in less than 10 minutes. He was not only an executive, but also an agent. He worked both sides of the table in the National Football League. If I'm the agent of a player who says, yeah, you know, I'd like to change my, I can get my old college number, whatever. But they're asking me to buy these old jerseys. If I'm if I'm in Andrew Band's position, I'm their agent. Here's what I tell them: uh, No, okay, then I'll keep my jersey. Wait, wait, wait. But you asked to change your number. Yeah. Hey, never mind. You're gonna make yeah. me pay for the old jersey. Never mind. Yeah. Well, uh, hold on. Can we discuss this? They want to set. They want you to change your number. They want to sell that many more new jerseys to John Q. Public. No way. You got. I would suggest any player that does that. They're so desperate to change their number that they would be stupid. Now, Brady said it's stupid that they're changing these numbers. Yeah. You're not going to be able to identify yeah. players on the field at their new position. They do it in college. You know, I joke because Mike K, who we had on, my, my buddy Mike K, we had on the show earlier this week, put out a tweet, uh, you know, that basically uh, was talking about this jersey and, and giving – the defense in ever so slight advantage for the first time in 20 years. And I joked back to him. I said, Mike, don't tell the NFL if they realize that they'll change this rule immediately. They don't want any advantage to the defense whatsoever. So if they figure out Tom Brady's upset because he can't figure out a blitzer is coming with number eight or, or number six, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to refuse. They're going to roll that rule right back. Because they need offense. They have been an offense-driven league, and they will continue to be. I, I think Brady's uh, commentary was foolish. I'm not going to call it him stupid like he called this rule change, which I think is a blatant overstatement. Well, I was, think the rule change is stupid, but for different reasons. Do you? I, Why? Because I, from the who cares reason. Like, who cares? Yeah, I, see, I'm, but I just said, I'm not a, I'm not a numbers guy. I don't care. Um to me, you have the history of the game. You know, if you think about defensive linemen, you think about 90s, you think about 70s, whatever. That's been tradition. Why not keep some of the tradition? Can you imagine Reggie White wearing, I don't know, six? Uh, it's not the same to me. No. And uh, see, you and I just see this a little differently. I don't think something can be stupid if it's who cares. If it's who cares, it doesn't rise to the level. Okay, that's fair. I'll agree with that. Because I'm with you. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Tom Brady's not going to be able to figure a defender coming at him because he's wearing a single digit. Stop, Brady. Yeah. You're smarter than that. We know that. You're just he's spouting off an opinion. I don't know what his motivation is, but I think it's foolish. I'll go that far. I won't call him stupid. But I think it's foolish. And he's got to know that it's just a money grab. That's all this is. Yeah. Sell more merchandise. 
That's yeah, why they're going to allow I'm, these players to change their jersey numbers. You phrased it better. I'm with you. I'm in the who cares category. So I, I find it very hard to get upset either way on, on this type of issue. And no, I don't care if the Eagles bring back the Kelly Green jerseys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I do like the Kelly Green. I would would I would like to see that. I'm I just don't as, care either way. It doesn't I'm not matter. Some part percentages of Eagle Nation, but I was always a Kelly Green fan. I'm just a Kelly Green fan in general, and for the Eagles uh, in specific. But I'm not holding my breath because it's only been 30 years that would they've been threatening to bring that back some version of the Kelly green and it just hasn't happened. So I've kind of put that desire to the side that I think that it actually could work out for them and get that uniform back. It hasn't happened. So I'm not going to worry about it, but uh, interesting take ad slant on it. Tom Brady. He is the goat. The mm-hmm. NFL does realize what Tom Brady means to their product at some point in the future, I don't know when, two years, three years, four years, Tom Brady's going to walk away and the NFL's going to miss him. But he did call the league on the carpet. Do you really think they listen more to Tom Brady than anybody at like a groundswell of opinion of their players? Is Brady that big in the game that he could actually affect change? Uh, no, I don't think he is. I don't think he could affect change. It would have been interesting if he said it before and said, this is stupid. Um, and maybe that shifts things and you get a better feel for it. But I, I don't think so. I don't think he is. I mean, uh, as good as he is, this, this league will continue. You know, we can talk about legendary players since the beginning. I mean, all the way back to wherever you want to start. Uh, the Jim Browns of the world who walked away early, uh, you know, the league marches on. They'll march on without Tom Brady. They marched on without Peyton Manning. Um, he's a legend. He'll always be a legend. Uh, but, no, I don't think he has that enormous power to shift this league. Of all the, This league is pretty headstrong. I, I don't think Tom Brady, I don't think anybody can shift this league other than maybe Jerry Jones into certain uh, directions. To me, he's probably the most powerful person in this league, uh, even outside of uh, Roger Goodell. And Goodell is an employee. He might be the commissioner, but people always seem to forget that uh, when he's getting crushed for a decision that he's made. He's not the guy in charge. Nope. He's the lightning rod. He's Howie Roseman. I say it all the time. He's got a lot of Howie Roseman in there taking bullets for uh, those people that he's working for. That that we can certainly agree. And uh, Tom Brady at some point is going to retire. We've <clears throat> talked about the Patriots in the quarterback position. They need to find a replacement for Tom Brady. Will I be aggressive? Trade up in the first round? Maybe just trading up to 12 where the Eagles are could be a spot where they want to do because the Eagles drop back down and allow the Patriots to get in position to probably take the fifth quarterback in the draft. How about Tom Brady's present team? They don't have a heir apparent to Brady. You think the Buccaneers going to take a quarterback in uh, probably not in the first round, but second, third, or fourth round, you think the Bucs will be interested in finding the next Tom Brady, this uh, upcoming draft? If they're smart, you think about Bruce Arians history. I mean, his book is called the quarterback whisperer. So I, I do think he's got a firm grasp on the, on the value of the position. So I don't think Tom's going to be upset by the air apparent. And by the way, you say not in the first round, 
32 is prime position to select a quarterback because you get that fifth-year option. It's always been that way. Uh, you know, maybe if they like a Kellen Mond, maybe if they think a sixth quarterback is worthy of having that fifth-year option, say he could sit for a couple years, maybe we can develop him. Wouldn't be the worst move in the world. Baltimore Ravens did that just a couple of years yeah. ago. Traded up with Jack. the Eagles. Last pick in the round. Yeah to be able to get that extra year on the contract. Contracts, drafts, all those things is what we're going to discuss with our next guest, former executive in the league with the Philadelphia Eagles and other teams, including the Packers. Packers. Now host of uh, one of the best podcasts you can get out there, Business of Sports. Our buddy, Andrew Brandt's going to join us right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. The, 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 middle. the middle. Did you hear that sound? Yeah, that, that iron shot. If you want to talk about a solid golf shot, that's what it sounds like. There are very few sounds of purity. That's oh. as pure as it gets. Oh, I've never heard it before. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you and me both, brother. Never heard it before. Never. <laughs> you and me both at that point. Jeez. The Middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave. Take a nap. Go for a drive. Grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. It is a Mac and Mac Birds 365 edition, what you hear on the Jacob Media Network. Uh, we get uh, our fill of NFL insider stuff from another Philly guy. Perfect fit for our show here. And when John told me he was able to get Andrew Brandt to agree to come on, couldn't have been more excited. Uh, former NFL executive turned columnist and podcast host, Andrew Brandt joins us here on Birds 365. Mm-hmm. Andrew, how are you doing today? 
I'm good, guys. I, yeah, I, I guess I'm a Philly guy. I mean, I'm a Philly guy through marriage. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so are you making your way over to that Villanova campus on a regular basis? Yeah. You know, after moving my wife to rural Wisconsin for 10 years, uh, she got to pick the next stop. <laughs> <laughs> she is born and raised in Villanova, PA. So it worked out. Yeah, you're going to well, be there yeah. for a while, buddy. That's interesting because people will say, as you will know, is Villanova Philadelphia Championship or is the main line of Philadelphia Championship. But, I, you know, before we get into that, Andrew, I do think I want to warn you because Jody's going to take a victory lap on us because I was with you and I said there's no way the Eagles are moving on from Carson Wentz with that dead cap money, right. setting a record, setting the precedent. Before we get into the current stuff, talk about just how historic that was and what a leap that was for Jeffrey Lurie to take on that much dead money. You know, I managed to cap for 10 years. I can't remember a team, not a player, a team having 30 million of, of dead cap in my day. Um, so I just thought that there, there, I said it so many times and obviously I was wrong. Uh, the, there was no player in, in the NFL out of 2,000 players with more invested in him than Carson Wentz by a team. When you consider all the draft picks, the first contract, $28 million, the second contract, $150 million, and all the, all the getting rid of Sam Bradford, getting rid of Nick Foles, I mean, it just goes on and on, but they did it. And getting rid of Doug Peterson. So... I just thought that that cleared the way to keep him, at least let him compete with Jalen Hurts, but no. And I, I just think this is a massive organizational failure with so much invested in this player. And they did it because to me, guys, this was not about football anymore. There was some deep fissure, some deep chas chasm, whatever the word is, between Wentz and the organization that went beyond football, that went beyond Doug Peterson, obviously, uh, that they could not repair. So he's in his comfort zone with Frank Reich and the Eagles, you know, have to deal with that 34 million. Imagine these salary cap uh, fantasy football leagues that everyone's in. Imagine you're in a league with $200 and you have to start with $165. Yeah. And that stinks. It, it does, but here's the reason why, and if I need to take a victory lap, I will, because I thought it could happen, and it did happen. It's one year. Now, yes, it's going to be that much more difficult for uh, the new coaching staff, Harry Roseman, who should be under a Cleek light himself. It's going to be tough to put a good football team together. They're dealing with it right now, didn't have a lot of money to spend in free agency. But then it's going to be over and done with. And they're going to have Carson, Went Carson Wentz's money back. They're not going to be paying him and nothing will be on the cap. It, it's a really hard hit to take, but it has a shelf life. One year and then next year, you're going to actually open up your cap because he's no longer here. I think that's the way they looked at it. I think that's why Jeffrey Lloyd said the restructuring thing when they let Doug Peterson go. They're willing to take a big step back this year because of that massive cap hit, but they think they'll be better for it going forward, Andrew. Yeah, you just still have this dichotomy with the team where you have, you know, you know all the players better than I do. You have these veterans 
like Cox, like Johnson, like Kelsey, like Brooks, you know, and then you're going to mix them with a completely young team because you have to balance Wentz's number now with young players. I mean, you think about rookie contracts conservatively on the high end, say they're million dollar cap numbers. You know, that's half your team at least. So think about you have 35 players on your team and they equal Carson Wentz. <laughs> you know, you know, so, so that's what you're talking about here. And they're going to have to win. You know, maybe they won't win, but they're going to have to win with a majority of rookie contract players. Andrew, I wanted to talk to you about the changes in the offseason because you were at the forefront of sort of coming up in Green Bay with these uh, workout bonuses to keep people around in the offseason because players, you know, generally didn't want to be in Green Bay in the offseason. The the union and the league itself are sort of buckling back and forth. Um, There are so many difficulties can't even get to them all. If you think about veteran players, you had a great story about Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. When Brett Favre was away from off-season work, you guys kind of figured out, wow, this guy can play. This guy can lead his team. So out of sight, out of mind, you've been on both sides of the table. How difficult is this issue for both the league and the players' union? Well, first of all, to recap what you said, when I got to Green Bay, I noticed all the players weren't, none of, hardly any were showing up. We had maybe five guys that were showing up full time for the offseason program because think about it, you know, these guys are from Florida, Texas, California, et cetera. They're not coming to Green Bay and whatever it was, $70 a day, that wasn't going to do it. So I had to do the painful process of redoing all these contracts when they came up to financially incentivize these guys to come up for the program to really establish a culture. And, you know, I fought it for years and they, all the agents told me the same thing. Hey, he'll send in his reports from Texas every day. I'm like, no, he's got to be here. Uh, And so if a guy was making a million, now he's making 900 and a hundred, you know, goes to work out. If a guy's making 3 million, maybe he's making two, five and 500 to work out. And I would convince the player saying, Hey, You'll get your money now in the spring versus the fall. So anyway, it was tough. We got it in. And now, as you see, the Packers have $5 million in workout bonuses, more than any team in the league. And they're telling, the union is telling them, no, no, you can go in because <laughs> you got money. So I think, you know, you've seen teams already go in, even though there are pledges from the teams that they're not going in. I think this is a, a tough issue to stand on the hill for for the union because of the talent versus tolerance equation, you know, 70% of the team is thinking they better be in there. It's kind of like if you're in a big law firm and the boss says, hey, uh, a few of us are going to come in this weekend to work on a project. It's up to you. You know, you're going to go in. Yeah. And that's the reality of football. So I, I don't want to be too harsh on the union, but to me, if they had had this kind of solidarity about fighting the revenue split, fighting the 17th game, Last year, we'd be in a better place. They'd be in a better place. Andrew, I want to talk about um, the two different places you were in during your career as an executive here in Philadelphia and Green Bay. Very different situations. 
one <clears throat> owned by one individual, and you're making your decisions, running your draft, something we've got to be very interested in this week, knowing who's got an eye over you, the guy who's in charge of everything. As compared to Green Bay, a very unique situation in its own, there is no owner. You're just basically reporting to a board of directors because it is owned by everyone, as a matter of fact, publicly traded company. Which did you prefer? Which was easier? How different was it to work for just one guy, big responsibilities, but you're just reporting to one guy as compared to you don't even know who you're really reporting to and or you're basically reporting to everybody uh, which was more difficult for you? Well, uh, you know, I've seen all the reports about Philly. I was a consultant for two years. I think I only was in one draft run by Andy. And yeah, the owner was involved and in the room, but I don't remember any bogarting of the picks or any decisions that Andy had to run by him. I, I you know, I remember some huddling and maybe a lot of communication with Howie and Andy, but no, I, I didn't see that. You know, having said that, Green Bay, as you mentioned, we were autonomous. Yeah, we had a board of directors and some of those guys were in the room. But Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson after him, you know, had complete autonomy. And yeah, you wonder if that would have changed things. Obviously, our most, most controversial pick in my day was taking Aaron Rodgers in the first slot uh, in 2005, when we had a Hall of Fame quarterback on our roster, uh, you know, would an owner have approved that? Would an owner have said, "No, we need help now"? You know, well, that's a good question to ask. Uh, and just to follow up your earlier question, John, yeah, uh, Brett would go to Mississippi in the off seasons, and we wouldn't see him till training camp. This kid, Aaron Rodgers, shows up. Obviously, he's not skipping workouts. He's a rookie yeah. and a second year, third year player. And yes, he showed us over those two off seasons that we could hand him the keys to the franchise. We had players, Greg Jennings, Donald driver, you know, come up to the office like, Oh my God, you know, this guy, this guy, the arms, the arm strength, the movement skills, the leadership, it was all there. And not that we wanted to get rid of Brett Favre. Let's put that out there, of course, but we had, we had what we wanted. Well, I always joke that Green Bay fans are probably the most spoiled fans in the world because they've had Hall of Fame quarterback play for over a quarter of century uninterrupted. It just never happened. So it worked out beautifully. 30 years, 30 years, and everybody asked me about the pick last year. I get it. You know, the criticism of Jordan Love is the exact same criticism we got of Aaron Rodgers. And the goal is that have 45 years of yeah. as quarterback. Now, we'll see if he works. Yeah. I know, I know you got to run, Andrew. So uh, real quick to finish up with you, I wanted to, to, to talk about this collaborative process in Philadelphia because you've been, you mentioned you've just been in two different places, autonomy. You know, it seems altruistic when you have everybody sort of giving their opinion. But isn't there obvious pitfalls to that as well? You could have creating unintended consequences, the more voices you have in decision-making, not only players could be contracts, could be whatever. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I I'm appreciative of my time in green Bay and other teams tell me, man, you don't know how good you had it is that we stayed in our lanes. You know, we had great personnel people like John Schneider, John Dorsey, Reggie McKenzie, 
Ted Thompson, you know, Elliot Wolf. And I didn't want to or get involved in any of the scouting side, and they didn't want to or get involved in the financial side. We stayed in our lanes. Um, you know, I think when you have a lot of cooks in the kitchen, it does create for potential problems. You know, and the one I thing I remarked to these questions about what goes on in Philadelphia, you have a scouting staff out there for seven months, bird dogging every player, you know, in a normal non-pandemic year, they're traveling that whole time. And the worst thing you can do is, when you set up the board, I mean, everybody stands on their table for their prospects, you know, area scout says this guy should be a second rounder and maybe ends up on the second round of the board, maybe ends up in the third round, but it's, it's set. You know, by this time, the board is set. The worst thing that can happen to a staff is for a decision maker or an owner to walk in and say, eh, we're going to go here. <laughs> you know, jump the board. It's the worst. And not the worst for the future of the franchise. Maybe the player turns out to be all pro. Mm -hmm. But that scouting staff, you can almost feel the air go out of the room if that happens. You know, did it happen with us? Maybe, you know, maybe we bumped up a guy now and then, but we obviously our biggest example was Rogers true to the board. And that makes everyone happy because then you have, like you said, that altruistic. And we'll see if that's the case with the Eagles. Howie sung a pretty good song the other day about collaborative effort yeah. and the board stays intact. We'll find out if that's the case come next Thursday night. Andrew, we appreciate you carving out a couple of minutes for us. Thanks much, bud. We will tap into you from time to time here on Birds 365. Thanks for hopping aboard today. Yeah, happy to do it. And people ask about the newsletter, which is doing well. It's andrew-brandt.com. You can sign up. And his All podcast right. is the absolute best, the business of sports. Get it where you can get your better podcast. Uh, frequent listener right here. You should be as well. Andrew, thank you. Thanks, guys. Andrew Brandt uh, here with us on Birds 365. He's Johnny Mac. I'm Jody Mac, the Mac and Mac guy. Still got, oh, 15 minutes or so to go here on this edition of Birds 365. We'll be right back. Stay with us. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. The, 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 middle. the middle. Did you hear that sound? Yeah, that, that iron shot. If you want to talk about a solid golf shot, that's what it sounds like. There are very few sounds of purity. That's oh. as pure as it gets. Oh, I've never heard it before. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you and me both, brother. Never heard it before. Never. <laughs> you and me both at that point. Jeez. The Middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave. Take a nap. Go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Connecticut School of Broadcasting is now the CSB Media Arts Center, training in all that is media, including the nation's most successful broadcast training program with professional media experts whose entire mission is to get you career ready in just 8 or 16 weeks. Train on-site and online at our local campus in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. VA approved. CSB Media Arts Center. Visit GoCSB.com. 
The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Friday edition, episode number 15. Damn close to having three weeks under our belts yeah. here on Birds 365. The Mac and Mac guys, John McFollin, Jody McDonald, thank Andrew Brand for hopping on board. Uh, want to <clears throat> try and stretch out the conversation as I'm one of the things Andrew touched on about staying true to your board. Uh, Harry Roseman with Andy Weidel and Nick Sirianni the other day said the collaborative effort in putting together the board this year for him has been great and that uh, they had certain things already in place. They had to because they made the big trade going from six down to 12. Shoot, it was almost a month ago now, John. So this board is ever shaping and always evolving, but they had to feel strongly enough about their evaluation of guys to be able to make that trade a while ago. Howie made it sound like they're good with their board and they love their board and there is great collaboration ongoing and their board is going to serve them well. Well, apparently that wasn't the case just one year ago when even though the board said uh, Jefferson should have been their selection, they decided to go with Rager. It's been well-reported, well-documented. They went away from their board a little bit. And then I read this story today. It's not enough that Eagle fans have to suffer with the fact that they got away from their board and took a lesser wide receiver, at least for his first year production in the league. But Jefferson comes out and says that he's so happy that he was selected by Minnesota, that he thought he was going to Philadelphia and heck with them since they didn't draft him. He'll enjoy beating the Eagles whenever he gets the chance going forward. Nothing like getting salt rubbed in your already open wounds. Uh, They didn't take the kid and he goes out and has a phenomenal year. And now, by the way, he's rubbing it into the Eagle wounds that you had the chance. You didn't take me. Uh, I got two words for you, and they're not happy birthday. Yeah, I, I mean, it, that was a GQ interview, and I read the whole interview. I don't think he was rubbing salt in the wounds. I think it's more he keeps getting asked the question. And obviously, when you're in a certain situation, what are you going to say? If you're a smart football player, you're going to say, I'm thrilled to be here. I want to be here. And and if you get passed over by somebody, you're going to say, maybe there's a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. But it's not like a divisional team where you see him two times a year anyway. So um, that's part of it. I think it's a little bit overblown. If people would stop asking him the question, he would probably stop answering it. Same thing with Jalen Rager here. Jalen is upset about that because people keep asking him that question about, you know, Justin Jefferson performed so well and you didn't and blah, blah, blah. And he gets a little bit upset. So I think that part of it's a little bit natural. I think the bigger issue that Andrew brought up 
is that whole point in, in a typical pandemic, non-pandemic year, you got scouts on the road for seven months. They do all this work. You build this board. And oh, well, draft night, Jeffrey Lurie comes in and says, you know what? We probably should go in this direction. That even if the – I think the most important part Andrew Brandt, up, uh, Andrew Brandt brought up was even if the pick is correct, it's it's like a deflating of the balloon – in the organization, because you guys did all this work and you're being ignored. So I think that's the biggest problem. And to talk about, you know, this is our 15th show, Jody, we're already starting to preview 16 because Jeff McLean's going to be on Monday with us. And he's, he's the one who first reported this disconnect from the scouting staff and uh, Jeffrey Laurie swooping in Howie Roseman all these different cooks in the kitchens Andrew was talking about, that's the problem. The problem isn't the focus on Justin Jefferson versus Jalen Rager. The problem is how did you get there? And Jalen Rager could turn out to be a five-time Pro Bowl player, turn into a great player. The process still stunk. Understood. And uh, I think you make a, a an excellent point about – Maybe this is Jefferson just being asked the question over and over and over again. And that's why it seems like he's taking shots. And yeah, to use my phrase, and I use it and I meant it, rubbing salt and eagle wounds, um, because it is such a never-ending topic for people to ask about. I, I get that. Uh, Jalen Rager, if he's tired of answering that question, oh, I've got a suggestion for Jalen Rager. Be better. Yeah, put up massive numbers this year. Come in and show that you deserve to be uh, the twenty-first pick. Was that the number twenty-one 21. or twenty-one? Yeah. You deserve to be the twenty-first pick in the draft by putting up big numbers in this. I agree offense. with you. I agree and with you. If you, you play use it well, as motivation, Jalen, rather than getting put off or ticked yeah. off. Don't go down the Carson Ro- Wentz road of let it get inside your head. No, let it be in your head to the forefront of your head. Little anger built up that uh, people are questioning. And you. I think there is, by the way, I think there is a little anger built up. I think it was more from Rager's standpoint. I don't think it was a Wentz level type thing, or not. Okay. I don't want to say. I think it was more of a frustration thing because he was hurt and he was trying to play through injuries, and it, and there was some bad luck, and and he was feeling a little bit frustrated. And we'll see if he can turn his career around. But you know what? We got a few minutes, and I'm gonna. I'm going to get you upset for next week because I oh, started. You can, you can try, buddy. I don't think you're going to be able to, but go ahead and give it your best shot. Well, it's going to be Devontae Smith related. Okay. So please, please, I, I started thinking about what Nick Sirianni said in one of his, you know, in between the gestures and the, and the rock, paper, scissors. He was talking about the receiver position and he was talking about the X receiver position. And I'm starting to think, you know, people look at draft picks in a vacuum. And they say, to use Devontae Smith as an example, that's a good player. No question about it. That's a good player. Some people have concerns over his weight. But my point is, you've got to start looking at the fit. you got to start looking at the scheme. So what this team wants to do, you know, they want to play Jalen Rager at the Z position. They need a slot receiver. They hope that turns into Quez Watkins. Um and they need an X receiver. That's what they need. When Alshon Jeffrey was here, 
um, and, and, and being very successful. They have Travis Fulgham, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. They got to get better. So if you draft Devontae Smith, my point, at number 12, you're going to put out Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, and Quest Watkins in 11 personnel? I got to tell you, the physical cornerbacks in this league are going to be licking their chops against that group. That is an awful, awful scheme fit. Right. I'm just uh, throwing it out there. And you're perfectly uh, rightful to do so. Here's how I would look at it if I were Nick Sirianni. If Nick asked me, I just heard what McMullen said, and it makes some sense that it's not the perfect grouping of wide receivers. I'd say, Coach, here's how I would look at it. Who's the best wide receiver of those three? Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager, Devonta Smith. Who's the most talented guy? Who do you project as to be able to be the best receiver and put up the biggest numbers over the course of X amount of years going forward? The answer for me is Devonta Smith. So is the the problem Devonta Smith or Rager or Watkins or a high tower, anybody else you want to put in the mix, do you not take the best player available because, oh, we've got other players in other positions that to this point have done (laughs) nothing in the league. I'm going to let that affect the way I look at the number 12 pick in the draft? Not for me. Yes, you are, because I'm saying, Jody, you're in the vacuum. I agree with you. Devontae Smith is the best player. To get the most out of Devontae Smith – you have to play him in the Z position. He can't be on the split end. He can't be on the line of scrimmage. He can't be where Patrick Peterson is going to knock him in the next week in a jam. That's not his game. So you got to get him off. You got to be the fl- you got to be the flanker. You got to get him off the line of scrimmage. Therefore, you're saying, guess what? Jalen Breaker can't do it either. So we're in the same position. You have a better player. Devontae Smith is a better player than Jalen Breaker. No question about it. That's not my argument. But then you have Travis Fulgham outside. You have J.J. Ortega-Whiteside outside. You still have the same issues. You're a little bit better. But you also, Jody, you also said, we just crapped the bed on our first-round pick in 2021. There's where the ego comes into it, and, and the Eagles don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. I understand Howie Roseman doesn't want to admit that they're 2021 pick because he keeps hearing about it every uh, where you turn, including Birds 365 about uh, Jefferson being a far superior player and all the reporting about uh, it was off the board as a selection. Yeah, they are pulling, rooting for, going to do what they have to to make sure that Rager gets a chance to be an improved sophomore player rather than the freshman fail that he was for the most part oh, I understand that but Nick Sirianni is a receivers driven head coach if there truly is collaboration in this upcoming draft and he understands the receiver position loves her gets so excited he knocks the table almost over in the press gathering the other day he sees that talent at a wide receiver that whose number he can call he's going to tell Howie Howie I know we've got a bunch of names on a piece of paper here, and however they were garnered by the Philadelphia Eagles over the last several years. I need the best player available, and the best player available is Devonta Smith. I can make this kid into a superstar and put his name in. Put his name in now. Get on the phone with whoever's relaying the card to Roger Goodell. Give me Devonta Smith. 
That's what I'm praying, hoping, and believing Nick Sirianni has on draft night. And I think the Eagles, maybe if Nick Sirianni had the power to do that, maybe he would do that. But let's be honest, he doesn't have the power to do that. I think the Eagles would more direction. You want to go outside so the Eagles will say to themselves, okay, let's get J.C. Horn at corner. Let's solve that position. Then at 37, or maybe you got to go up a little bit, let's go get Terrace Marshall from LSU who can play uh, the X position, which is what they need. I think that would be more of their thinking if they wanted to go outside the numbers and go away from their usual behavior. I don't think they want the redundancy of Jalen Rager, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, all these similar type players. And you say to Jalen Hurts, who's a young quarterback, okay, it's third and seven. I need a back shoulder. I need a contested catch that Alshon Jeffrey was so good at uh, when he was healthy. Who the hell is going to give that to me? Who's going to give it to me? You don't have it on the roster. Unless Travis Fulgham. I was going to say, where, Fulgham made some of those plays. And, or J.J. I'll even throw J.J. Then you've got to get those guys up to speed. You that, I don't, that I don't have much faith in, in J.J., but Fulgham I do. Uh, and while you stated very wisely, my friend, about the redundancy of the wide receivers, here's the one thing I will note, and uh, if I have to carry the water myself, I will do so. I'm not big a fan of Devonta Smith. Even though chances are it's going to be, as you say, a uh, J.C. Horn who could be the pick, even if the Devonta Smith is on uh, Devonta Smith on the board, even though it might be a Vera Tucker who is the pick, even though a Devonta Smith is on the board, and it isn't the direct comparison that Rager and Jefferson has been. Oh, I will be bringing it up. Others will be bringing it up if the Devonta Smith goes out and catches a thousand plus yards in year one, yes. and Vera Tucker is backing up the Eagle offensive line or J.C. Horn is a kind of wet-behind-the-ears rookie, makes some plays, but makes some big mistakes. Oh, it'll be continued drummed in by Eagle fans, Eagle media members like myself. And the Eagles had a chance to get Devonta Smith. The whole reproduction of players we already had thing will go right by the board. The only thing that will matter is the comparison of the level of production of player A and player B. Player A being Devonta Smith, player B being whoever the Eagles take at 12 other than Devonta Smith. And guess what? Howie Roseman at all will be roasted again in this town if yeah, they don't take I the mean, Well, I think he's going to get roasted on draft night because people want a skill position player. People always want a skill position player. You're talking about a Heisman Trophy winner that succeeded at the highest level, has all these numbers. Everybody knows who he is. So if you end up taking a player, you know, an offensive lineman, you know, the fans are – Xander's telling me the fans are saying – Never, never mention the name Quiddy Pay again. If they take a player like that, uh, yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna bring out the pitch, the the, the pitchforks. They're gonna bring out the torches, Jody. But again, six years from now, we might have a Brandon Graham narrative. If that, if that player turns into the three-time Pro Bowler, early, it's gonna be ugly either way. Either they take a a skill position player or we riot is essentially where I think this fan base is. However, Jody, this is significant. You know, we can talk about J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in in the 2019 draft, whatever. 
whatever you believe them. 2020, Jalen Rager plus two other picks. You have needs all over the stinking board. You have needs everywhere on this team. You can't keep doubling down on wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. You can't do it. You got to build up the rest of the team as well. And let me once again state my position so it is not misunderstood. So the streaming commentators, so my call is on WIP, don't get it wrong. There no, they'll two, get it wrong. Well, no, not if I continue to explain myself. There are two players that I think fall into this category. Devonta Smith and Justin Fields. Skill position players who should not, repeat, should not be available at number 12. Both should be well off the board before they ever get to the Eagles. If the Eagles have the opportunity to take either of those two guys, I think it's a must because their star potential is through the roof. If neither of those guys are available, if it is Jalen Waddle and they go cornerback instead, you're not going to hear me complain. You're not going to hear me say, oh my God, how did they not take Jalen Waddle? Well, I may say it three years down the road, if Waddle turns into a superstar, 2020 hindsight's a beautiful thing, but I'm not going to say it on draft the day after, the Friday thereafter. Only those two players. And that's why, because they're superstar potential talents, I'm saying, I don't care what I did in the draft the year before. I don't care about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who might not even make this team. We just picked him in the second round two years ago. I don't care. I have to get the best available talent. And those two guys, in my evaluation, my rankings, are so far and ahead of the others and would be such great value at 12, you can't pass on it. If all and those I'm guys are off the board and they go quitty pay, I'll jump on the John McMillan bandwagon and go, yes, quitty pay could be the next Brandon Graham. Well, I'm with you on Justin Fields. I'm with you 100% on any wide receiver. We'll use Justin Jefferson as the best example because he had a historic season for a rookie wide receiver. He broke Randy Moss's records in Minnesota as a rookie wide receiver. How many how many games the Vikings win? Not maybe seven, more than eight. Seven and nine team. Yeah. And that was a playoff team going backwards. Wide receivers do not have the impact on the game as quarterbacks. So, hey – I could see Devontae Smith coming in here. I could see him being the best uh, wide receiver on this team by far because that's a very low bar to surpass, number one. And number two, I think he's a really good player. I could also see him getting 1,200 yards, and I could also see the Eagles winning six games with those 1,200 yards. Just doesn't have that much impact on the game. On the other side of the scale, though, the two teams that were in the Super Bowl – yeah, both very talented wide receiver cores. Uh, Mike Evans and all the... Well, everybody weapons. is a talented wide receiver core, except the Eagles. <laughs> That's why you got to get Devonta Smith. Thank you very much. On that note, we can wrap up another edition of Birds 365. Mac and Mac guys will be back with you again next week. As John told you, uh, Jeff McClain of the Inquirer will be on with us. We'll do a lot of draft prep leading up to the big day on Thursday when the Eagles have the 12th pick. Hopefully you come back with us. Hey, share the YouTube page with all your friends. We're growing Birds 365 each and every single day. We need your help on that. Uh, thank you for three solid weeks so far. We're looking forward to the fourth next week. J-Mac, have yourself a great weekend. Everybody out there in Eagle Land, have a great Birds 365 weekend as well.
If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.